put it in your mouth, Tim. Shampoo and toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey guys, welcome to the Big Blue United podcast. My name is TJ. I'm joined here by Dan tonight as usual, and we got Big Blue United founder Ian with us today. How are you guys doing this fine evening? Excellent. Doing great. Excellent. I feel good too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're glad to be back after after taking a week off. Um, you know, we got that Super Bowl hangover. Just needed a few days to get our head on straight after that. What was a good game? Um, it's a tough. Yeah. One. <laughs> as long I, I as really it comes down it. to the end, that's that's yeah. all I care about. It's, it's one a good game. I'm really a huge fan of of those marquee games, especially the Super Bowl starting at six thirty. Uh, as an East Coast dad, uh, you know that that puts me in bed at, at the right time, and I'm not I'm not falling asleep at when things get into the fourth quarter at ten thirty. That's that's way past my bedtime. I could not agree more as a father of two boys myself. Uh, that was a so ideal. And honestly, I think I, I think WFAN and Craig Carton and Evan Roberts were talking about this concept, too, of games just starting uh, in different time frames uh, than they are from like the one and four. If yeah. you could have the evening, like the late the late p.m. games, the four o'clock games start at like six or six thirty that's the ideal window for everyone and primetime ratings will just explode. Yeah. And forget the family nucle- uh, nucleus and, and having Sunday dinners together. This is perfect timing <laughs> for, you know, I mean, I, I was fetish. trying, I was pretty tired. I was trying to spend time with my family and the rock started just yelling at me. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess, I guess you have my attention. Now. Did I do something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest thing, and I and I love like the players didn't know it was going to happen. I don't know if you guys saw the video. I didn't know. Or I was just like, "Is that the Rock? It's like, what is he <laughs> doing out there?" <laughs> that had me going. It was funny. Um, before we jump in and talk a little bit more about that, guys, please follow Big Blue United on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow Big Boy, Big Blue. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Follow us on Twitter directly at BBU Pod Boys with a Z. Download that DraftKings app, and don't forget to check out PepperPalace.com for all your hot sauce and hot sauce related item needs um going back into the super bowl um we didn't really have a chance to talk about it like i said because we, we took off last week um you know ian what, what were your thoughts on the game do you enjoy it anything special you want to mention or you know i did enjoy it um i thought after odell scored that first touchdown i thought it was going to be off to the races for the rams and then odell gets injured and the air just went out of the tires of that offense. It seemed like until the fourth quarter when, you know, Cooper cups, the only one there doing anything. And the Bengals are leaving them man to man coverage on Eli Apple of all people. Um, <laughs> we don't know him well at all. Um, but I have to say just watching Aaron Donald play is just so enjoyable. He is just an absolute monster. And you, when I saw McVay call his shot and that last on that fourth down um, on NFL films recording, I, I just was like, this is, this is someone special. And this is the type of player you want to make it a point to go see live at least once in your life, because he is just something unbelievable. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a singular you know, talent, you know, even from, from day one, when, when coming out of the draft and his size um, didn't match up the prototypical interior defensive lineman size, but his stats and spark and all that was just 
almost like unbelievable. Uh, and to see it translate on the field all these years and to see what he does every day and the way he gets after the quarterback from interior side of the line is uh, no one's ever seen it before. And I'd be shocked if we ever see it again. Um, just a rare combination of, <laughs> of, of strength and tenacity. I think, uh, I think someone was talking about his, his body fat and he's like, what is he? He's like 300 pounds, but like less than 10% body fat. It's just, just a miraculous miracle of a human being. <laughs> it was pretty clear in the in the parade that there's no body fat to be found <laughs> on that man. Absolute it's, tank. It's crazy how strong that dude is for his size. Like, could you imagine having to go up against him? I think that's why you know they have two or three guys on him and every it play. It still didn't yeah. work. I mean, man, he closed out that game. That that was rough for the Bengals. And and when I saw Burrow's face coming off the field, I was like, I felt for him. He looked yeah. upset, but you know what? At the same token, I think you know a lot of people were rooting for the Bengals, and I, and I was kind of too. I guess I didn't really have like a much of a vested interest, really, in who won. But I was just really happy to see Stafford get a ring, and and Odell mm-hmm. too, and Aaron Donald to to an, an extent as well. But I just thought Stafford really deserved it after you know twelve years in Detroit, mm-hmm. just languishing away, and. And, you know, it's just funny to kind of kind of like watch this game from, from the outsider's perspective and see a really bad O-line that the Bengals had because you can kind of put those parallels to the Giants. And Joe Burrow, you know, give him all the credit in the world. He he made it happen as much as he could. But at the end of the day, we saw how much of a team sport football is. And, yes. you know, when you're playing in a on the big stage, when you're playing these maybe worst teams, you can kind of skate through and, and scheme your way out of it. But when you have a guy like Aaron Donald on the other side, you are toast. And we saw it happen in real time. Great game. Yeah. I'm just happy he went to the end. I, I know a lot of people lamented it wasn't as good as the playoffs had been, but I think that just goes to show how good the playoffs really were this year. I love the product the NFL has. I think it's been getting better since they changed it, the, the CBA, which I think took a while for them to kind of get into um, guys being conditioned the right way um, with the changes in the rules and stuff like that. So I think the product is really great. I think this year in totality kind of shows that. I mean, I know we're Giants fans, so it's hard to sit here and, and say things like that because – it was particularly bad for us, but I think just in general, it was it was a great season, um, fun Super Bowl. I, I'm looking forward to next year so much right now. And uh, I mean, before we move on to kind of talking about the Giants in the news, I just want to know: Do you guys, Dan, do you think Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer now that he won the Super Bowl? I mean, statistically, that's the argument, right? Is his numbers are great, uh, prolific passer, all the stuff are he they? did in Detroit. I mean, I, I'm not pouring over the stats or looking at historical stuff. I, I, to be honest, I'm not a big Hall of Fame guy. I don't really, really care that much. I, I know that's a thing that a lot of people care about, and uh, it means something to the players at least. But to me, I just enjoy watching the players play. I, I think he's in that 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 region with with a few other quarterbacks that we talk about. Um, if he puts, if he scores, if he gets another Super Bowl ring, then then he'll he should be a shoe in. Um, but I don't think he's he's been so excellent for, uh, for his entire career. He's been good, but he's had bad seasons. Um, this is obviously the first time he's on a team that's got the right amount of talent around him. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think he's a shoe in. <laughs> he's got a shot. Yeah. I I'm right there. I, I think he is someone one, his, his career is not over yet. So let's see what the rest of his career looks like, because if he ends up staying until, you know, 40 years old and he's putting up numbers consistently during these next few years, it's going to be hard to keep him out. With that said, it's hard to put 
Philip Rivers into the Hall of Fame and not Matt Stafford, now that Stafford has a ring. Because like while Rivers won a lot more in the regular season, he also had a great team around him. Um, and Stafford didn't. And now he had his one shot and he wins. So let's see what the next few years look like, at least. Um, jury's still out, in my opinion. But I think having the ring gives him at least the discussion now. Yeah. That, that he wasn't going to have prior. That Philip Rivers is, is really good. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at just his numbers, he's he's had a lot of good seasons. I, I, if I if I wrote this down correctly, it's uh, in every season he started all sixteen or seventeen games. He's had at least four thousand yards. One of those was five thousand yards. Only one season didn't throw for four thousand yards. Currently sits like in top fifteen in pass yards and touchdowns thrown. So I think I agree with that. That he's not in yet, but it's definitely a possibility in the future. He's got plenty of time. Thirty four years old. You know, Brady played for twenty two years. Peyton played for eighteen years. Breeze played for 20 years. Favre played for 20 years. I think he could easily <laughs> jump up there and maybe have a chance of another ring if they can have some semblance keep of the keeping that team together since there's not really much going on after all these guys leave because they have no draft picks for like, I, I don't even know when their next first round pick is. I think it's like <laughs> seven seasons or something like that. Yep. It's going to be rough. And if they get Woods back healthy and yeah. if if Odell resigns, you keep there's a really good shot. He doesn't play until the end of the year. If that, um, given his ACL, but you know, we'll see time. will. Another another thing I want to give Stafford credit to is that he was quarterback in the two best uh, seasons of wide receiver had in NFL history, which is kind of a cool thing. (laughs) True. Yeah, (laughs) that's Um, true. Which, which brings me kind of into our giants conversation here. And I just want to ask in for your take on this. Is he, if, if Matthew Stafford is on the fringe of being a Hall of Famer, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer right now? He's a luck. And and I'm biased. I am biased. I'm uh, Obviously, I'm biased. The, you can see Eli's right there. Um, I am very biased. But again, if, if you're looking at the regular season, you look at Eli Manning's career, he's not a Hall of Famer because he was never an MVP candidate. Uh, he might have been actually a candidate – um, in 2008, I think when Plaxico shot himself, that was the, his shot to be a real MVP candidate there. In that Unintended. But out, yeah. <laughs> um, but outside of that, he wasn't an all pro because again, he's going against Brady breeze, his brother Rogers. I mean, these are top 10 all time greats that he was going up against. And that's, you know, it's no fault of his own, but he wasn't at that level. But with all that said, he won two Super Bowl MVP for two. Everyone else that has those two stats in their back pocket are either in the Hall of Fame or surefire first ballot Hall of Famers. So when you have that record in the playoffs, when everything matters more, and now we see just how hard it is not just to win, just to get to the playoffs every year. Like people are now talking about Roethlisberger. He's been to the playoffs every year of his career. Tomlin has never been under 500 in his career. Like these are things that are insanely difficult. And Tomlin's only won one. Yeah. Eli's won two. And he's, so like, I think, and he beat the best to ever do it in the process twice. So 
I, I just think it's going to be hard to keep him out. I know there's going to be people that don't want him in because his regular season does, just doesn't compare to the others during his era. But his playoff record is better than Rodgers. It's better than Breeze. <laughs> so it's, I just don't know how you keep him out. He may not be first ballot, but he's getting in. I 100% agree with everything you just said. And I think it's actually, this is good timing for Eli too. And the reason for that is I think with just the way the NFL is going, adding games, making it more pass happy, I think you're going to see, you know, mid-tier quarterbacks with perennial 5,000-yard seasons and that the regular season stats are going to be so inflated with so many guys that it really all comes down to the playoffs. And like you said, Mm -hmm. Eli was, I mean, we watched every game he was in presumably, right? There were times when you watched him play during the regular season, he was just bad. He was bad. And then there were times in the playoffs, and you know, he was so clutch and, and amazing. And I think if you, you really start, uh, need to quantify these Hall of Famers at quarterback by Super Bowl rings and Super Bowl MVP awards. Mm-hmm. So I think Eli's slotting in the perfect time. Like you said, I don't think first ballot necessarily, but he's going to get in and he should get in. Anybody who's won two Super Bowl rings as a quarterback should be in the uh, Hall of Fame, in my opinion. And while while there is also the like, you lo- you're looking at all, all the QBs now, everyone's missing games. Like it, it's it's just wild how many games yeah. QBs are missing year in year out. And you look at Eli, and it's still unbelievable the fact that he never missed a game because of injury. And I think while that's not a, it's not a stat that someone's going to be wowed about, you know, from a, you know, it's not touchdowns, it's not yardage, it's, but it's something that voters, I think, take very seriously. And the Hall of Fame takes very seriously because he was always there and you could always rely on him no matter what bleeding doesn't matter. He's playing. And that's something that I think. Giants fans have always loved about him. And now that we see Daniel Jones missing games every single year to start his career, you just never valued enough until he, until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, the iron horse of the QB position for so long, I think if you were to ask me right after Eli retired, I'm, I think I might be a little more skeptical about him making the hall of fame. I think as time wore on and, and sort of, even feel the impact of his loss on the team and, and everything that he did, um, whether that's intangibles or his, his performance of the field, I feel like it's becoming more and more clear. He's, he's going to be in the hall of fame one way or the other. Um, but like TJ said, <laughs> it was always a roller coaster. I think with Eli, nothing was for granted that could be taken for granted. He could have a top five level, you know, quarterback in the NFL week followed up by, you know, how are you on a roster the next week um, for a lot of his career? Um, and the the whole like there's a lot of people that were talking about the hall of very good uh when referring to eli manning that's all well and good if you want to talk about his regular seasons fine but his playoff record speaks for itself yeah he has it's just and you look when he's won both super bowls and his td to interception ratios they're unbelievable yeah. And his yardage is still the most passing yards of any QB to ever win a Super Bowl in a season when you combine uh, the playoffs in there. So, like, he's he has all the numbers. He's top 10 in all the categories you need to be top 10 in. Even if you're not an MVP or all pro, 
it's just a matter of when at this yeah. point. I think in those playoff runs too, he had some real marquee games, like superhero games, like you know, outside of the Super Bowl itself, that the the game against Green Bay in in, in two thousand eight and the 49ers game in, in twenty eleven. Like that, I was thinking about that 49ers game recently. That was one of the most intense, brutal football games mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And I mean, he, he held it together and, 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 and they got through that somehow. Um, but they were truly epic victories in, in that run. There was nothing easy. And um, you look at Stafford this year. I mean, yeah, he lost Odell in the, in for the whole second half um, and part of the first. But he had Odell. He had Cooper Cup. Those two players were more talented than any receiver Eli had. I mean, obviously, Eli had Odell for a while. But in the playoffs... <laughs> Plax, Knicks, Cruz, all of them are fantastic players for the Giants during those runs, but none of them are in the stratosphere yeah. of those two when you look at it from the big picture. Like, they're not Devontae Adams that Rodgers had. It's not Harrison Wayne that Peyton had. It, it's, it's, it's just different. What Eli just took it to another level in the biggest stage. It's, it's funny you say that, too, because people always want to say that, oh, well, he had a great defense and it wasn't him. And then I don't know if you guys saw an art, the article that came out on Giants Wire. Like yesterday, we're basically just saying he had the worst supporting cast in, in <laughs> history of a Super Bowl winner for the second Super Bowl he won. People will still say it was the pass rush, though. You know, Strahan was retired, but I guess it's, he was still playing on the team. For, in the it's a good pass lines. rush. They, yeah, they talk yeah. about like the lack of it was, but it in Super Bowls, the, but at the end of the day, you got to, you have to score more points than the other team. So he's doing that. And yes, the pass rush is a big deal. Brady wasn't winning the Super Bowl with the Bucks unless JPP Barrett and that Bucks defense was obliterating Mahomes and that terrible O-line that got injured in the AFC Championship game. So, you know, it works both ways. Yeah. You could, If you want to use that against Eli, you got to use it for everyone else. People just like to hate on Eli, I feel totally. like. I don't know. I don't know. He's got a, he does have a dumb-looking face, so I, I guess I can understand it. <laughs> and now that, he's, now that he's not playing anymore, like the real Eli character is coming to fruition, which is just wonderful to yeah. see. I mean, I know people love that Monday Night Football broadcast. I personally just makes me cringe the whole time I watch it. But, hey, people love it. And I, I do I do love Eli's personality. I think it comes out more now, and I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, that particular thing is, is what pe- most people point to. For me, it's, it hurts inside a little <laughs> bit. But you can always go back and watch SNL, you know. Yes, you can. Not bad. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so let's just move on. Um you know, obviously we have some some light Giants news this week. We were talking about the Wink Martindale hiring last week. He finally got hired this week. Other than that, you know, a lot of uh, assistant coaches getting filled out and stuff. You know, Ian, we, we have gotten your take on Twitter, um, you know, about all the coaching changes, the regime changes. You know, what, just give us a quick, you know, sum, summarization of kind of how you feel the Giants are doing this offseason so far. You know, are you happy with the coordinators and head coach and, and all that, you know? So it's a summation, yes. TJ. Summation? What I say? Yeah. Summarization? No, you said something else. Ah, whatever. Summary. You, know what I meant. you just, it's, you know. I'm just making up words now. Yeah, I had to, I'm a lawyer, so I got to. Hey, I gotta, listen, you know, I, 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 me. I guess I'm like the host of this podcast, so I can say whatever <laughs> words I want. I'm just trying to push you to <laughs> be better. Roll dude. with it. I, I appreciate that. I do try to get better, even though I, I haven't been really getting better at all, but that's okay. I want to hear the summarization. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, tell us that su- tell us that summarization, buddy. I uh, so I was I, I will say I, 
I like the Dable hiring. It's no different than how I felt about Judge. Uh, I, I like the Judge hiring when it happened, but I feel so much more comfortable about it because it's the shown Dable combo that is they're on the same page. They come from the same organization. So there's just camaraderie there that I'm comf- much more comfortable with than when he who must not be named was GM of the Giants. Um, the Kafka hire is an interesting one because while he wasn't calling plays in KC, you know, he was with Mahomes. And I think that's a very important factor. And Mahomes speaks very highly of him. So I want to see just what can be done uh, with Daniel Jones. Like if there is saving him, and I don't know if there is, because uh, he does have talent. I don't know if the consistency will be there. I still not even sure he's going to be the QB next year. I think they're saying all the right things because I think they need to, but Jerry's still out. If they make a move this off season, those picks are there. And I, I'm curious if what they're going to do with them. Um, but the, the hire that excites me the most is wink. I love what he brought to the table with Baltimore. I feel like as a giant fan, when the Giants' defenses haven't been great, I've always been jealous of the Ravens' defense because it's always been great. Whether it was with Rex, with Wink, there was just something there. They are always blitz-heavy. They're attacking the quarterback, and there's these pass rushers that come out of nowhere, undrafted, day three, late-round picks that shine. And I hope he can unleash Roche. Aziz and potential other players that we're likely going to bring on this off season and in the draft. Uh, that's just something I'm excited about. Um, I'm excited for everything that's to come with the off season. Cause there's going to be a lot of change and I have no idea who's going to be kept. Who's going to be gone. We have some idea, but I'm very excited about the direction the franchise is going in with these hires. It it makes me feel comfortable with Wink's experience where Dable, Kafka are first year coaches or in those in coordinator and head coaching roles to have a veteran to the table that's been doing it for a while and a long while with success. So I, that makes me quite excited. Yeah. I mean, so much of what's going on, I'm excited about, and it's, it's funny, like the past few years, I I just never wore my my various Giants hats, my baseball hats, like quite literally. Not because I didn't want people to know I'm a Giants fan or support the team. I just don't want to talk about them like more than I have to. <laughs> so if someone saw I was wearing the hat, I didn't want to have a conversation about it if I didn't have to. Um, but now I I feel myself going to my my hat rack and then pulling off my Giants hat and, and wearing it about, or I might even wear it for the podcast from time to time. I feel like it's a it's a signal of good things. TJ and I wear our Giants hats recently, which was a big moment. Um, <laughs> Wait, hang on. I got, I got, I got, I got the shirt on. It's like You're really shirt, old. It's like <laughs> camouflage Giants gear. You have black on black Giants hats. No, this shirt is just, this shirt is just old as hell. <laughs> beat to beat to hell. Yeah. That's a good shirt. <laughs> I, well, I was going to buy, uh, I was going to buy one of those like Jersey shirts uh, with Wayne Gallman's name in the back and then they didn't resign him. So. <laughs> Ball man. Couldn't, couldn't think of a player I really liked. Besides Gallman at the, You're at not the, the only one that at said that, by the way. I, yeah. I've heard that from a variety of Giants fans and I'm really hoping that changes this year. Um, sure I really do. I would love to buy an Aziz jersey one day. 
when I when if he if he ever gets a second contract and and earns that, I'll buy the <laughs> jersey immediately. I'm not. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not buying. I'm not buying anybody's jersey on a first contract ever again. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. I actually have that rule myself. Now, for my kids, it's a different story. They both have Saquon jerseys. They've both had an Eli Manning jersey. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's differences for myself and for my kids. But I'm well, right there with you. Eli, you could wear forever. That's a great course, jersey yeah. to have. Your kids are oh, too innocent to, to have to put these like safeguards around their emotions that you do <laughs> with these very complicated contingency plans. Um, but that's the beauty of childhood, I guess, really. Uh, oh, it's good. You know what a good one is? You know, I'm podcast regular Nick who's on here. His son is, uh, I think, seven or eight. And somehow, like, became a Panthers fan, and he's like very upset about it. Like, I guess like, he played, he like played flag football, and they like make each team like an NFL team, and his team was like the Panthers for yeah. like a couple oh, years. Boy. Now he's all about the Panthers. I was the like, Panthers Man, color scheme like really targets seven, eight year old kids. I, like, it's very true. Back and um, and McCaffrey's you know. exciting too. If if you know if you attach the player to the team name, it's an exciting thing for kids when. You know, you you care about fantasy. You care about excitement. Yeah, yeah. The, the Carolina Panthers are a great team for kids, but if you want to be an adult, you can be a giant fan. <laughs> exactly. You know what heartache means. Well, my, my daughter just thinks football is called Giants, so everything's good. We're watching the Super Bowl. She's like, "Oh, go Giants!" I was like, "Sure." Yeah, you're getting there. Clearly, a great dad. There. <laughs> it's perfect. It's working out. Um. Uh, what were we talking about? Wink I was going to, I was, tra- I was <laughs> trying to segue into how I felt about the giants in the wake of everything that we've been talking about it so much, especially um, Shane coming in and, and Dable, we went over that uh, to great extent in, in previous pods. Um, just continue to love everything I hear from Joe Shane about how he's approaching the off season, how he's analyzing players, who's on the, you know, who's tradable, who's not everyone's tradable. Um, how they're looking at draft picks. Uh, we can trade our draft picks. We need as many shots as we can at, at this board, um, yep. which is perfect for a team that is bereft of talent. Um, and I, and I, I was really psyched for a, a lot of the assistant coach hires. I, I do like the Kafka pick just from like the very base instinct level of like, oh, let's combine Andy Reid's offense with Dable's, you know, Bill's offense. Um, interesting. I don't know. I can't remember where I saw it, but there, there's – some talk coming out of KC um, related to the enemy and Andy Reed and Kafka mm-hmm. and, and just some turmoil in there about play calling. Um, so it's not so rosy in there. I think, I think there's a lot of arguments. I, I don't know if, uh, if Pat Mahomes and, and BNME have a great relationship from these, these reports. Um, so who, who knows what's really going on? I, I, Andy Reed casts a large shadow over there as far as how the offense is run, but I think having exposure to Andy Reed's offense and, and uh, Patrick Mahomes and his evolution as close as Kafka did is going to be great. And he said a lot of interesting things as far as um, you know, developing his system and, and creating it to tailor it to the players, which is all everything you want to hear. And, and there's no way it's going to be like Jason Garrett's offense. So that already makes me happy. <laughs> um, you mean like they might try and score points? <laughs> I mean, listen, we're not, we're not playing for punting position. I don't think. Yeah. But the you know what's funny? Oh, yeah, good. No, go ahead. I, I just want to say something about Mahomes and Andy Reid. I think I saw like a mic'd up on the on the Pro Bowl where uh, Mahomes is talking to Max Crosby, and Max Crosby was oh, like, yeah. "Is uh, is Andy Reid a cool guy to play for? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like your, he's like your uncle, man. He's really cool, but then like you don't want to let him down because he'll get real disappointed in you." 
Yeah. And then like they're I forget they're like talking, oh yeah, Vrabel will be a good coach. And they're like, no mention of Gruden whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Of course not. Just moving on. Shocker. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've it. talked a lot about oh. this. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Finish up. If just, you want, just yeah. I think I think we both are excited for Wink Martindale for the obvious reasons. And these, you know, the the concept of dictating the state of play like via the defense rather than you know reacting and, and bending and, and not breaking. Um, you know, whether or not the defense is top 10 or not, it's going to be a fun defense to watch. And it's going to have those moments where you can stand up out of your chair and just yell. Cause something, something wild is going to happen um, mm-hmm. way more often than it has. Um, hopefully that's sacks, interceptions, uh, you know, b- big time plays. So I'm just really excited. I think, I think there's an interesting level of talent on the defense to see that um, evolve rather quickly. Not to say that I don't like Patrick Graham's defense, but it's going to be a different style. I'd like to see how those players uh, adjust. So. Um, I think much different. Yeah. Pumped. I think I, the Ben don't break thing isn't going to happen. I think wink, you know, he was just like, he likes to attack. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a different style of play. And I, and this is a great segue into like kind of moving on to talking about a little bit about the off season. Cause I think wink's defense sort of requires a little bit more pieces necessary. Pieces they'd be granted not to say that he can't or isn't going to be able to do what they got in the roster now. Is it someone who needs a and he's he's still a top 15 corner um still borderline pro bowler he had a much better year than people give him credit for um and i think there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get like a third um a fourth a worst for him but and i don't know if you know playing madden gm myself i would do anything to package him with a, like a logan ryan in a trade probably to the Raiders um, bring him back to Patrick Graham uh, because right now Logan Ryan, I think is, is uh, an issue uh, not just for his on-field play, just week over week, it was just getting worse. And, and I love Ryan as a leader um, for this team um, as a person, he's an unbelievable human being, but it, it, he just can't be the everyday starter anymore and his cap number is too high. The problem that we have is that you can't release him in because his of the restructure that they made with his contract. Zero Shocker. money. You get zero you, money. You yeah. get nothing back and nothing to gain. But if you can trade him and trade him for any, like you trade him just to move the contract at this point, if it's a seventh round pick, or it's packaging him like with Bradbury. NBA He's, kind of style deal there? Wh- whatever it takes to get the contract off the books, because I think you save over $9 million in cap space right there. Between the two of those players, you're over, tw- I think it's t- over $21 million in cap savings, which is halfway to the $40 million that everyone has been saying is the number that Joe Shane is looking to get to. So that would solve a lot of issues right up front, and we know – Rudolph is likely gone. Riley Dixon's likely gone. I'd be surprised if Booker's back, even though he had a very good season for the Giants. But if they're keeping Saquon, which I do think they are, you can't keep Booker at that number unless it's a minimum salary. Like if he just restructures his contract, takes a big pay cut, even with that pops like solid year, um, I think I don't think he's back. And then it's just, what do you do with Shep? And I think Shep is likely gone, but I would prefer, and again, most Giants fans probably just want him gone. I love, I still love Shep. Uh, he's, he's the longest tenure giant on the team. 
And I hope they can find a way to just get him to agree to a pay cut. Um, maybe some, some incentives that hard to reach incentives to uh, help get some of that money back, which he likely wouldn't get anyway. But I think he's a positive influence on the roster and knowing that he can't play a full 17 game season and you're going to take that into account. But if you can lower his cap number enough to fit him into this uh, offense, he will provide enough value, but I think it's unlikely. So I think that's kind of where my head's at, but trading Logan Ryan is the biggest piece of this puzzle without that there's going to be much bigger moves that I'm not going to probably like as much. Um, those two contracts, though, that are st- that are out there and are probably just a, a red flag for Joe Shane are Galladay and Leonard Williams. And I think Leonard Williams is eighth highest non-QB contract in the NFL next season um, for 2022. And that's a that's just a big problem. As much as I like Leo, and I think all Giants fans like Leo, he plays well. He's just not an all pro. He doesn't play to his contract. We knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I don't know if he's going to touch those because that's a much harder uh, trade to make happen, but we'll see. Let me, but Dan, before you go, let me just circle back with you. And you said you think Saquon will be back, but if, if you were GM of the Giants, would you bring Saquon back? I would. I would. would? I, I think, I think right now, just to remove Saquon from the ledger to save the 7 million doesn't benefit the franchise moving forward. You're just doing that for the sake of a cap number. While if you get Saquon back now, again, most of these injuries that you see with running backs or other positions, they need a full year of recovery. Saquon is about to have that full year of recovery. And we could see he showed glimpses with a shitty offensive line. He just didn't have enough. And the offensive line just clearly was that bad not to allow for him to succeed at the end of the year. So I think it's, it benefits the giants for the growth of the team to keep him on the roster, whether they're going to be good next year or not is we'll see. But if they want this team to show signs, he's the best chance for them to do it Um, with a healthy Saquon. And again, you're not touching his contract. It's only one year reevaluate after this year if he comes back has a huge year you probably don't re-sign him but you may get a third round comp pick back for him where this year you're not getting that i don't think um coming off those injuries not having two great two good years so yeah that's my that's my take on saquon mm. i bet dan has an opposite opinion <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't have a totally opposite opinion. Ian makes great points. Uh, I think you, I would shop Saquon and, and see if I could get something, uh, reasonable in return. Um, I I don't think anyone's going to, you know, give you a a third round pick straight up for him. But, um, you know, if you could, obviously I do some of that. I didn't take a fourth round pick. Um, but there's a huge part of me that's excited to see what he could do in a, in a, in a functioning offense, uh, he is or was an absolutely electric running back uh, that, that could sort of do everything. Um, and I, I, he hasn't been there in a while. Uh, there's a flash or two this year and that, that Saints game and a couple random plays outside of that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Saquon as far really? as like, 
<laughs> obviously, obviously <laughs> what he's sort of done, uh, what I picked under the team, uh, uh, you know, uh, so there's no love lost there for me. I, I think one of the things I want to talk about that Ian brought up was um, the Logan Thomas, uh, Logan, Logan, Ryan, Ryan. Logan, Logan Thomas is someone else. Um, he's a, Logan, he's a Washington he's, Commanders, old Washington Commanders player, old, if I remember correctly. The old Mando tight end. The old Commanders, yeah. <laughs> um, that so so that whole conundrum and spot um, is tricky and is is a big question mark for this year. But the thing about this year is, I have confidence that Ian's not the only one thinking about it. I know there are people in this front office that are thinking about ways to get him off the roster or get him package him in a smart way to get some return off of it. Um, like that that Raiders thing makes sense not only for Patrick Graham because he's got that Patriage uh, Patriot heritage too there with. Um, uh, what's his name? McDaniel's. McDaniels. Uh, McDa- yeah, McDaniel. There's two McDaniel's head coaches now. Yes. Jeez, I just realized <laughs> that. Um. Anyway. Uh. Anyway, I, all I have to say is just that notion that I feel like we're in good hands, and 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 more complicated issues like that are going to be addressed rather than just not addressing it because of hubris and pride, you know, for signing a bad contract in previous years uh, to try to prove a point. Um. That being said, uh, everyone knows we're, we're 10 million over the salary cap right now. And somehow we got to come up with $50 million to get under. Um, so again, anyone and everything's all, uh, you know, able to be traded, able to be released, cut. Uh, I think TJ would agree, but we, we love Sterling Shepard and would love to keep him on the team. I think again, despite his awful injury history, I think in a good offense, he would be a great, maybe not second option anymore. But yeah. a solid, a solid contributor, uh, possession wide receiver, move the chains can get you, you know, pieces of yardage and, and you know, as a third option, um, and it's just you know, what, what, just been a, a true, you know, classic sort of Giants wide receiver in the vein of like, I don't know, not the same player, but like those names like Ike Hilliard or Steve Smith mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Um, so I love, I love Shep. If we could keep him, that'd be awesome. awesome. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I just want to <laughs> go to and we we'll go back to what you're saying about like kind of this approach to the to the offseason. And and a, Shane had a great quote the other day. He said, you know, the reason that they're there is to fix these problems and that jobs with Hall of Fame quarterbacks, great head coach, great salary cap position are not open jobs in the NFL. Yeah. So just coming. <laughs> well, I mean, coming into your job, understanding that you're in the hole and that things are going to there are hard decisions that have to be made. And to be willing to make those hard decisions, I think, is a great place to start. And not just coming in and being like, we're we're happy with the guys on the roster. We're happy with the talent we have. You know, it just blowing smoke up, you know, our proverbial rears every offseason <laughs> in the past few years. So that's a great, refreshing thing to hear. And and just to, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> you mentioned, you know, a couple of the players as well. Obviously, I, I love Shepard. I think especially he was great a security blanket for Jones when he was playing mm-hmm. too. They had a great connection, especially on third down. Indeed. And he was moving the chains for them when he was playing. That being said, he's played two full seasons in his entire career. His cap hit is eight and a half million dollars. And by moving on from that, you save it all. There's very little dead cap money involved. So as much as I think as we want Shepard to stick around, I just can't see that happening. It's a big chunk of money. Um, especially you have two top 10 picks that commands a lot just for your rookies in terms of the money you're going to need for mm-hmm. the salary cap. I mean, there's a lot of guys I think that are obvious to me. Kyle Rudolph, I mean, 21 catches, 230 yards and two touchdowns and a two-year, $12 million deal. 
Bye. That veteran <laughs> leadership, TJ. The locker room presence. Oh, God, get out of here. Riley Dixon is not a good punter. He's, like, very overpaid. They already brought in a guy to compete with him. Just signed an unrestricted free agent, like, a- a- after the draft. Great. Um, Nick Gates is a name that comes up, which I hate to say that he shouldn't be on this team, but he probably shouldn't. You just don't know what you're getting. The cap hit is a little bit high for what he brings to the table, and he might never play again. You never know. I know There's we want to lo- see that, you know, yeah. um, Soybert sort of situation where he gets a horrific injury, comes back and just crushes it on the line for a couple years. But I don't, I don't, you know, that's such an up in the air thing to do. And when you're in such cap hell that the Giants are in right now, it just seems like a hard sort of, I guess, loyalty, luxury sort of thing to do for the team. Yeah, I think, I think there's no doubt if you're a Giants fan, you love Nick Gates because he's a, a tough SOB. He, everyone, boy. Yeah, he's just, he's, plays the the game the right way but at the end of the day he's injured serious serious injury i mean I think it's like five or six surgeries now to and we saw him working out uh, uh there was a video posted about him doing that and it, it, a lot of giants fans thinks he's think he's going to be back I, think he's going to be back week one i'd be shocked if he plays next season Agreed. shocked and you can't even if let's just say best case scenario, he's on the PUP to start the season and he's there for the second half. Can you really rely on him to be the same player he was in week one of last year? The answer is no. And if you're if and if you say yes, you're kidding yourself. You're lying to yourself just because you want him to be the same player. So you, you, the best case, the real best case scenario to have the same Nick Gates we had in week one of last year is a year from next this upcoming season in 2023. So it's it is going to be a hard pill to justify keeping him on the roster at that number. Now, if he takes a pay cut, that's a different story or a restructure because they believe in his future, different story. But I I agree, I think he is someone they have to seriously think about releasing um just based on the cap hell that we're in. And uh, his situation at hand, and it just sucks for him. But it's just it is what it is right now, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, we haven't brought up Blake Martinez at all. Um, in my mind, a great candidate for a restructured contract and someone who might agree to take a pay cut coming off, you know, an ACL, which is a big injury, or is it Achilles or ACL? I don't remember. Either way, it's a big injury for him. Um, I would love to see him in Wink's defense, and I think he he's a better pass rusher than people realize. Not to say that Wink Martindale only rushes the passer. He does other things, but I just, you know, I feel like Wink has always kind of had like a, a stud middle linebacker. Not to say Martinez is a stud, but he's definitely at least, um, you know, reasonably good starter in the NFL. Um, yeah. Ian, what do, you, what do you see going on with Blake? Do you, do you want him back or do you think he's going to be gone? I didn't even consider him as someone that I would release. Now, if you can restructure his contract, like if you can't move Logan Ryan, it just just starts to take on a new life of its own because then you have to start doing things you really don't want to do, which may include moving on from Blake Martinez. If he doesn't agree to either pay cut or restructure, but he giants fans seem to forget. He was the heart and soul of this defense. They, I don't know if people want to admit it or not. He was, he was the team captain. He was the leader of that defense. When he went down, it took a weeks. It took almost six weeks for that defense to come and find its own again because of his loss. And 
when he was playing for like that three year period between the Giants and the Packers, I think he was the leading tackler in the NFL um, during the, that time frame. So he, it's not like his talent is gone. He is a very, very good player, borderline Pro Bowl player, probably not a Pro Bowler, but he's right there. And he's the type of player you want on this team. So if you can find a way to make it work, he's someone that I think is valuable, not just next year, but the year after as well. It's just finding the right contract situation that, you know, everyone's comfortable with. And given that he was injured, maybe they can take some, something off of that to help the team. Um, But he is not someone that I would want to move on from. Mm -hmm. Anything to add there, Dan? Um, Yeah, no, I agree. I I feel like, he, he contributed a lot. And, and when he was inserted into the Giants defense, it changed things dramatically. Um, uh, it seems like an undervalued position in, in the current NFL, like the middle linebacker position. I think it's crucial. And, and, and when you have a deficiency there, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, I was just, I don't know why I can't get this out of my head, but I don't know if, if you guys used to read up on the, the big blue, uh, view uh message boards with the beezers the 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 linebacker brigade of of the message board just people that clamored for to have like the best linebackers possible in every draft um i feel like they'd be really down um i'm losing blake martinez um but i will say in the uh, i I do probably like five mock drafts a day it's this weird uh just like ocd uh addiction i have at this point especially with, with the fantasy of having competent uh people in the front office but there are a lot of interesting linebacker prospects uh, in this draft. Not to say that I think they could play at his at Blake's level right away, but um, very athletic, very a cool variety of players, uh, middle linebackers that can cover, middle, middle linebackers that can thump. Um, so I, I always feel like we can pick, we trade down a little bit, we get some extra, you know, third, fourth round picks. There's a lot of deep talent at the middle linebacker position. But I I'd do. Love to see Blake, Blake. I do think as you know, you mentioned the draft and when it comes to linebackers and giants love drafting linebackers in the first round, as we know, not, not in the first Banks. round, <laughs> <laughs> not since Carl Banks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I think with Blake, you know, he's someone that when you, if you have him, you don't worry as much about Tay Crowder or Jalen Smith, if you bring oh, him yeah. back next to him, where a lot of people like Tay Crowder, I, I think he's a backup in the NFL yeah. that's been starting. And I don't think he's that talented, to be honest. I think he's a good special teamer that but he should be playing more specials, focusing on that rather than having the headset at middle linebacker. Um, but if you have Blake, you don't have to have that big of a concern. If you yeah. move on from Blake, middle linebacker is going to be just one of those massive needs with the O-line and pass rush. And if you move on from Bradbury, you have cornerback one right there with it. So you just open up a huge hole. And as much as I love a Devin Lloyd to come in here, um, uh, who's one of my favorite prospects in this draft, I'd much rather him come in next to Blake. And I feel I feel secure about what the inside linebacking position would look like next season. Yeah. I guess I, I'm just, I'm not really worried about how we perform next season. I feel like it's going to take a while to, to, to be a truly competitive team. So like getting young guys, a lot of time on the field to develop promising guys with, with skills, I guess is my number one priority, but yeah, I totally agree. If you get those guys like, like Bradbury and, and Blake, um, if they're not on the field anymore, it's going to be, you know, 
a pretty steep learning curve, regardless of how talented the rookies may be. You might you might hit a home run with one, but most likely it's going to take a little while to get up to speed. It's going to be rough. Hey, hey, the Bengals had four wins and they went to the Super Bowl, Dan. <laughs> they oh, also yeah, sure. have, they yeah. also have an elite quarterback. <laughs> Let me jump in here. And elite wide receivers. Oh, yeah, all that. Yeah, great skill position group. The Giants supposedly had that last year, but we didn't really get to see much of it. Um, All right, give me one sec, guys. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibitive minimum $5 deposit gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789 in Connecticut. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Woo! I, I, you know what? I thought that was a fit as a fitting ad read because last time Ian was on, the uh, the pod was called We're a Knicks Podcast now. So here we are again <laughs> doing a basketball thing on, on, on our, on our uh, football podcast. Did you guys Let's do not any, talk uh, about any, the Knicks. Did you guys do any betting? No, definitely not. Did you guys do any, any betting on DraftKings for the uh, Super Bowl? I did. Any, any crazy parlays? All parlays. Live the parlay life. I, I came short because um, who came? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I hit on my, my T. Higgins touchdown and then came short on yardage for um, Van Van Jefferson. I thought when Odell went down, Van Jefferson was totally going to get the uh, 40 yards I needed from him. Um, and he didn't. He got like like 25 I, I felt so smart for for the entire game though, and then it, I realized it wasn't coming to fruition. Uh, towards that the T. Higgins end touchdown should have never happened too. So that was a good. One. I saw I saw a good parlay <laughs> that one of my friends did, but the T. Higgins touchdown. I think he did like six things, and the only thing he didn't hit was OBJ had two touchdowns, and he would have won like a ridiculous amount of money. But that's, wow. he should have had two. T- he would have had. Because he probably would have. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before before we head out, guys, I want to ask you. We've talked a lot about guys who are going to cut. Is there anybody who's an unrestricted free agent on this team that you would like to see back? Lorenzo Carter. Go ahead. Yeah. Probably Go ahead. the only one. Uh, I don't need Jabril. I don't need Evan Ingram. I mean, what is it? What does the deal look like for you if, if, if Lorenzo Carter comes back though? I don't know. Minimum, whatever. Bedroom minimum? What's the, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to demand much. We, I, I was, I forgot what I was reading. Another tweet that I, I wish I could cite, um, but someone was was shouting out uh, the the rankings of the free agents uh, available. I'm, Ian, 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 Ian uh, yeah, yeah, he posted Ian, it the Ian other day. It, yeah, that um, Jabril, or Evan Ingram was seventy three. Evan the Ingram was seventy three, and then Jabril Peppers, uh, Nate Solder, and Lorenzo Carter were somewhere in like from like 
125 to 200. Chabril Peppers um, and Nate Solder were way too close to each other, in my opinion. <laughs> Nate Solder was like 150. Um, yeah, Chabril Peppers was like in the 120s. I was like, well, that seems like a little bit. Nate Solder should be like, what's the last number? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I think, I think Lorenzo Carter had a couple games there uh, in, I can't, I can't tell you what game, but in, you know, the last seven or eight games of the season where he, uh, he flashed again, and he, and he put a few, a few uh, games in a row together where he, he was making an impact. I always believed in his talent. Um, I don't know if, if you get him veteran minimum. I, I think he'd be an interesting player to have in, in the rotation. Um, just just measurables seem like he should be able to get after it, and 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 he's so athletic. So um, I still I still think he's got some juice left, and, and he might be able to turn things around. So I, I mean, I, I've heard this a lot from Giants fans with Lorenzo Carter. I think the last five games, he proved himself that he deserves a shot, but we're kidding ourselves. If we think he's taking veteran minimums or anything like that, (laughs) he's, he's not giving the giants a discount to come back when this is his first shot to get real money. Certainly not when Joe judge isn't the coach anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think that ship is honestly sailed and I don't think we're going to be able to afford him. He's going to probably get a one year, with some solid guarantees or two years with some solid guarantees. And we're just not going to be able to pay that. I think the same with Austin Johnson, who is someone who I think is even more deserving of a, of another contract because he actually played one of the most solid overall seasons from week one to the end of the year of any giants player. But again, I don't think we're going to be able to afford what he's going to be asking for because he took another minimum deal to resign last year. So there are a few people that I would keep like, and these are just minor secondary players like Keon Crossan, great special teamer. I like him as depth. Again, that would have to be a minimum contract. Casey Kreider, you know, handles the snaps. You know, if your minimum contract, keep him. He didn't screw up a single snap last year. Those are, you know, those are valuable. Good metric. (laughs) Eli Penny is someone who finds a way to survive every year wouldn't be shocked if he survives again and he's actually someone who i happen to like more than most because he moves the pile more than anyone else that i've seen in on the giants roster over the last maybe decade um he he just finds a way to get those first downs and he doesn't get a lot of shots but again cheap minimum contract good depth piece outside of that definitely not keeping hernandez but i would i will tell you that if Will Hernandez finds an O-line coach that can unleash what everyone thought he would be, it really wouldn't surprise me if he has a solid rebound season like we've seen with a bunch of former Giants leaving from the O-line like Pew, Flowers, and others. Outside of that, though, Billy Price is probably the only vet I would keep, and that would be a minimum to be a hopeful backup center but it wouldn't shock me if he's the starting center next season if they retain him while a draft pick likely we have from a day two day three is getting up to snuff um i I think there's too many starters to starting holes to fill on that offensive line in one year where i think some cohesiveness even though it's not good cohesiveness (laughs) with billy price might be valuable, especially since Jones does know him and he knows Jones. Like if we're really moving forward with Jones this season, you may as well have someone who understands what he's all about. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you do give up a draft pick for him, too. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, so. I, got, I got to ask. Uh, you've touched this uh, maybe twice, but what's what's the option if we if we're not going with the Jones? Do you have anything in mind? I do, and I've said it from from beginning of last year. I I do believe the Russell Wilson possibility yeah. <laughs> is there. I really do, and I I know no one believes it to be true right now, but I think he wants to be here. I think Russell Wilson wants to be here. And the whole concept of the fact that he's 30, about to be 33 years old, honestly means nothing to me. The guy has missed three games in 10 years. He's had one losing season in 10 years. And all he does is produce. And his offenses over the last three years are honestly on par with the Giants. Outside of those receivers, yeah. that O-line is god-awful. His running backs have been terrible up until this year. Um, they just happened to show out this year. So I I really do think that could be in just something that they're going to consider. Whether it happens, I don't know. Because I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be clamoring for him that will put up more draft capital than we will. But if the compensation is a one this year, a one next year, and Jones, as an example, or like a day two third which we have two of that's something i have to strongly consider because i really don't think russell wilson is in his you know the downside of his career i think he's still right there in his prime for a good four plus years like i really believe that he's one of those players that plays the in this current nfl to have success until he's 40 and maybe beyond that like I, i see no reason why he wouldn't and he'll take one year of mediocrity next season with the Giants to have those next three or four that I think would have obvious potential with him and this now new regime to support him. It just hurts me like to, to think about giving up a first or potentially two to three first round picks. If you want to look at what the Stafford deal looked like, it's a lot. There's so many holes in the roster. I mean, if we look at Seattle last year, they didn't win a lot of games. They didn't make the playoffs. I just don't see how bringing in, you know, one guy, I, I realize his quarterback's the most important position on the field. He's a gr- been a great one his whole career. He is not over the hill. He is still has a lot of time left to play great football. I think it's more my own, my own like personal preference that I want to see the Giants really rebuild from the ground up and not just kind of reach for the stars here right away. I, I I would love if Russell Wilson was on this team. I just don't think in terms of what you're going to give up for him that it's going to be worth it for you in the long run. And well, I think the last thing the Giants need to do is handicap themselves by trading away. You know, we're in a position right now where the roster can, you know, kind of have a lot of good building blocks, potentially two blue chips on both the, the a defensive and offensive line in, in, in the first, you know, five and seven top 10 picks. To me, I think that's more important. Build from there, you know, bring in a a tried and true kind of mid-tier veteran to back up Jones and see what Jones has got for a year. And then if it doesn't work out, then we, you know, if, if the roster looks like halfway to the 49ers and we just need a, you know, someone to upgrade the Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones position. Hey, I think that's a great place to be after this season's over. It's a, it's a, it's a great place, but it's still, you're like, we're in the right direction, but it really means nothing unless we have the quarterback. And that's the the one big reason that just keeps me coming back 
to someone like Russ. I'm not looking at Rodgers, who's at the one, two, three years left at most. Like we need someone who has the four or five years left minimum. Uh, and I'm removing Watson because it's just not going to happen. But the alternative right now, we've seen what the last two years look like. The Giants can't be worse than the last two years. It, I don't think it's possible. So let's just for argument's sake say we're going to be a seven-win team. Just throwing that out there. We're pro- I'd imagine, again, we don't know what the roster is going to look like, but I imagine we're going to fall somewhere outside of the top ten of the draft next year. And when you're outside of the top ten – and you want one of these top two or three quarterbacks in a QB heavy draft, you're going to give up the same compensation you were going to give for Russ. And Russ is proven. Like, you know what you're getting with Russ, where you don't with a rookie, but just with potential. Now, I'm okay going either way, but I think when you can, when you know what you have, that's my personal preference, where if we're not giving up both, first round picks yeah. this year. That's the big thing for me. If you're giving right. the first next year, the first this year and Jones as an example, if they believe in Jones as part of their future, that to me makes a lot of sense because you put Russ and you get a right tackle and you have the the building blocks with Russ right there. You just open up the entire roster where Galladay makes sense now. Got yeah. a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Now again, then you, you it, it changes the entire approach of the offseason too because you have to make all the cap, salary cap work with Russ, but you can restructure Russ when he comes in because he would get a contract extension, um, which could lower his cap number this year substantially so that you could fit everything in the way you need to, and he's someone you would build around. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but that's just something I do believe makes sense, even though – He's now in his mid-30s or early to mid-30s. It worked for the Rams. The only thing I think is that – no, but, but, but really – We don't have you know, Aaron Donald. The thing about the Rams is I feel like in, in three or four years, the Rams are going to be perpetually in last place in that division because, yeah, you got your ring. That's all well and good. But, you know, in my mind, I'd rather build for a more sustainable future. And if that means, you know, like you said, we're probably going to have to trade draft capital. It's a really good point to move up in the draft. But – if it gives you 20 years of a guy and you take a risk as opposed to six years of a guy that you don't have to take a risk. To me, I think that the, the taking the 20 year risk is more is better in my mind, at least where this team is at now. That being said, if Russell Wilson was on this team tomorrow, I would be thrilled. And, and if you weren't <laughs> thrilled, you, you'd be dumb in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> he just, and he, he has the personality for New York. I, I mean, he, he's just, there, there are certain people that could thrive in New York and on like, for Daniel Jones, that's his best quality. Like he knows how to maneuver the New York media. Like it's unbelievable how well he does with this with his audience. He, like he gives nothing, he says nothing, <laughs> and he handles it. It just goes right off his back. All the negativity that surrounds him, as if it's nothing, and that's very difficult to do. If he could only show that on the field and play with consistency, and if he. I'm not going to put it all on the low line because at the end of the day, Joe Burrow was sacked more than any QB to ever make a Super Bowl and then sacked how many times in the Super Bowl? So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And lost and lost in the process. So, um, yeah, I think Russ is the one guy to me that I would go after if we don't have to mortgage everything. If it's one first in the future, 
And we have nine picks this year. It's one first. Jones, that's where my head's at. If they're asking for substantially more, then we're mortgaging the entire future, and I'm not just not going to do that. I'll go the route we have right now and just rebuild from the ground up, which I'm comfortable doing as well. Mm. Absolutely. Anything else tonight, guys? All right. Thanks for listening tonight, guys. Ian, thanks for coming on, hanging out with us while Colin is out gallivanting with his guitar in California. He seems to be out gallivanting with a guitar somewhere. Uh, (laughs) Please follow Bibby United Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, guys. Follow us at BBU Podboys with a Z on Twitter. Don't forget to download that DraftKings app and check out PepperPalace.com. Thank you for listening tonight. Have a good one. Thanks, Ian. Peace.